Report recording hit me. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Gestalten Podcast. My name is Eric Galina, and I'm joined by my colleague, Martin Goschwald. Hello, Eric. How are Hello. things? Yeah, I'm busy, man. Busy, busy. <laughs> uh, it's good to be busy. It keeps you on your toes, keeps you fresh. So um, it's been a little while since we've recorded a podcast, so I think it's good that we start by discussing some of the things that have uh, been revealed and unveiled. Uh, but also, I think maybe we should backtrack just a little bit because while we were in Shanghai, obviously the New York auto show was going on at the same time. And there was quite a lot of uh, product from the Hyundai group that was unveiled there. And uh, one in particular that I think we should discuss uh, before delving into some more recent product. And the car in particular that I'm talking about is a concept um, and it's called the Kia Habanero. And uh, that is, I think, really a, a sweet little um, vehicle that is, you know, um, uh, according to the press release, unfortunately, I didn't see this thing in person. I'm just judging it by pictures here. But they do say, you know, Habanero, of course, you know, play on words, the pepper, spicy pepper. And it's a bit of a spicy design, um, uh, designed in California and uh, quite unique and original in what is now the default uh, crossover vehicle typology. So what are, your, what are your thoughts on that? I'm a big fan of these, uh, you know, smaller size cars nowadays because, you know, as, as regular listeners of the podcast know, I'm a bit sick and tired of these SUVs. And from the pictures, you know, what I, what I really do enjoy about it is uh, – it's the kind of simplicity. Yeah. I mean, you can clearly see that Kia is trying to find the next step and, you know, in terms of where are they going to go next and where, what is their, you know, what is their next kind of corporate language going to be? We've seen that with uh, the show car that they've shown in Geneva, for example, which had a new font on the Kia logo, for example. This one now has the old one, but obviously it has much more, you know, modern elements that come into play. Um, also, it seems that, you know, this is, this is, this seems like a future proof uh, platform. So I, you know, I'm, I'm not 100% sure if we will see that kind of car in detail, but because they call it the Habanero, and obviously Nero is one of the cars that they already mm. make, this could very much be a preview of a, of, of a future Nero. And for that, I do like it very, very much. Of course, we, de we do see some clues of cars that have received a lot of praise over the years. And that particular one, the one that comes to mind, especially with the lights uh, in the back, would be the Volvo XC40 where you know you can definitely see some kind of uh, you know similarities. But also, you know, some of the the infinity stuff that we've recently seen in terms of surfacing at least what we can see from the pictures uh, but in general uh, definitely something from the kia side especially i mean you know uh, the colors once again look very very nice uh, i just saw actually that uh, you know i take that back from from earlier they are using this new logo um on the uh, on the steering wheel so you know it seems very very much that kia is actually moving forward into kind of a, the next level um and it is a level that I do really like. Yeah, I like it simple. Um, and I'm very, very much looking forward to see how this actually translate in, uh, translates into production cars. Because over the past few years, I would say the, the, the show cars weren't that great. But then you had fantastic 
fantastic production cars such as the Stinger, for example, which was absolutely great. And you know, now I want to see how close they can come to these ideas: simple surfacing, nice color themes. You know, really playing with the color and trim. Uh, so kudos to to the team over there. And uh, you know, just seeing how this will develop into the actual language that we then see on yeah, the road. I, I agree. I mean, it you know, it's a conceptual kind of toe dip into what a vehicle in this type of um, well, it's it's funny because it's not really categorized as being anything. It's very much a crossover car designed to appeal to a broad range of people from uh, you know looking for certain things uh, in a vehicle, but. Um, because it was designed in California where, you know, people live out of their cars, this is something that I think, uh, from a typology perspective is, uh, really a good all arounder. Now from a design sensibility, you know, it's, I, I love the graphic treatments on the side. Um, you know, the colorways, yes, very expressive, very bold, befitting this concept car name. Uh, but I really like, you know, the side profile and the, like you mentioned as well, the simplicity of the IP, like, Everything is really quite um, very simple and clean. And then you've got this profile that is very, very expressive with this very graphic treatment. And um, I think that uh, Kia is moving into a very much more graphical treatment than it did before. Um, certainly in, in this mm. concept is kind of, uh, you know, a, a, a bit over the top perhaps, but it's really well done and well resolved. So I really enjoyed that. And I wanted to mention that because we didn't talk too much about New York cars, um, you know, especially in light of the other cars that were unveiled in New York. So uh, the Lincoln, what was it? The Lincoln core Corsair uh, SUV, which is basically a, a middle ground mm-hmm. between the, the aviator and the, um, and the Navigator, it's kind of, uh, you know, another SUV, basically. Um, it does push forward Lincoln's design themes, but um, I'm not I'm not that big of a fan. Again, this is a production car, so, you know, it's not, like, allowing us to dream too much. Um, and so, I don't know. I mean, you know, it, I guess it's way better than what it replaces, but at the same time, uh, you know, yeah. it's... It, it, it's it's uh it's not as good as what we saw from the the Hyundai group again they showed another like Hyundai showed another concept in in New York um that uh was really um or another production car I should say in New York that was uh that was quite nice as well um it was uh, a little SUV thing uh the Hyundai Venue um which you know mm-hmm. is again expressive it kind of reminds me a little bit of what Mini did, what uh, Fiat did with the personalization aspects and different colored roof tones and mm-hmm. things like that, um, because that's really where um, you know uh, people are going now in terms of the, per- the auto industry in general is going moving very much into user experience and personalization, hugely into personalization. Um, and another car that was unveiled in production form would have been the CT5. So. Uh, Cadillac moving forward with um, a lot of the themes that were first displayed on the Escala concept. um, And that was some years ago, first shown at Pebble Beach. Um, And so I quite like the way that Cadillac is moving forward. Um, And Mm. just what I wanted to add, um, you know, to the, to the Kia quickly, Um, there's two things that I don't like. And one has a little bit something to do, we've talked about this before, um, was 
the front. I think the front is a little bit too busy. Um, I've mentioned to you that the front, especially the lighting graphic, reminds me a bit of the Neo uh, ET7 and the you know the Neo ES8 and ES6 kind of front. Uh, this kind of graphic looks somehow familiar. Um, so I'm not 100% sure if I do like that one. I do like the the color scheme behind it. That's actually pretty cool. But you know, it seems a bit more like, oh, you know, what can we do there? It looks a little bit more like a rear than an actual front. Um, and also maybe that's something that's a little bit geeky, but, you know, if, uh, you know, some of our avid listeners might remember that we did a special episode with um, with Quirin uh, Friedel, the visualization artist from Byton. Uh, when we look at those pictures, Eric, and obviously we judged this on, on, on pictures at the moment because we weren't in New York, the pictures are not great. They look like toy cars. <laughs> you know, there's 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 a lot of things that I don't understand with the lighting. Uh, it, it it really looks like the model, you know, wasn't properly done, or like you know, uh, if the visualization, you know, especially the the driving visualization wasn't really that great. So it's it, you know, it, I think it takes away a little bit of the car, um, and it takes away a little bit of the quality of the car. But that is just an observation that you know came to mind when I saw that and. Uh, you know, obviously, in terms of the, the 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 judging from our perspective, we want to make sure that we we mention this as well because this is one of the the examples where I do think the the picture quality, and not in terms of resolution, actually, in terms of the work that's being done, uh, was not that great. And uh, you can you can unfortunately see that a little bit in the car, maybe especially in the front. But um, that's that's just my two cents on on the on the on the Kia. All right, all right. Uh, point noted. Now, uh, mm-hmm. I think the star of the show clearly was another product from the Hyundai group, um, and that was the Genesis Mint concept. Uh, without a doubt, that was the highlight. And uh, Hyundai has been, uh, or you know, Hyundai as a, as a group and Genesis for the last several years has really been dominating um, in New York, mainly because they don't have, uh, you know, they've got the spotlight all to themselves. Um, they did show the new Sonata in Shanghai. Um, I think it was also present in New York, but that is a, a step away from what the Hyundai brand, uh, from a Hyundai brand design language currently. Um, so that is, that's kind of another can of worms, but the Genesis Mint concept was really, really quite cool, very interesting, very novel, and a, a brilliant take on um, on a compact uh, luxury car because uh, you know Genesis, of course, is aiming to be a very premium brand, and um, you know, but also you can't you can't uh, deny the fact that there are a lot of uh, city dwellers, a lot of people living in an urban environments, and that's essentially what this car was intended, mm. and who this car was intended for. Yeah, and I think it was also a surprise to many people that Genesis came up with. Uh, you know, as a, a small vehicle, um, because we've only known them so far with uh, sedans, uh, with you know, big SUVs. Uh, obviously, last year they have show, they they showed the the Essentia concept, which was a, a sports car. So it it was quite a surprise that they actually show up with something like this. So kudos to them also for having the courage to go into that kind of direction. Yeah, because. Uh, you know, we've we've just heard just to kind of put this a little bit into perspective. You know, Mercedes have of course 
kind of sold smart to Geely, so there's a joint venture going on there. But this is also a sign that the kind of small, the smaller cars are not rated that highly within the company. And then seeing a company such as Genesis to come up with that kind of class is is pretty cool. And I think you know, like I said, I mean, you know, we're we're, we're fans of Genesis anyway, so we like the stuff that they're doing. But at the same time, you need to have some balls to actually do that because that's also a risk. I think it would have been easy for them to do another sports car or to do a sedan or an SUV, and I think everybody would have been happy. But this was a surprise, and uh, yeah, so you know that. It was just good. I think, you know, I really, really enjoy this. It's still a Genesis. You can still the correlation to the Essentia from last year. I like the direction that they're going. Um, it's modern, you know, it's sporty. It does have a certain kind of it factor to it as well. And you you definitely understand where this brand is going to go because it has this kind of more, you know, uh, classic luxury. It's not, you know, as I've mentioned multiple times before, it's not this kind of aggressive factor. This is more about classic, but still very beautiful, you know, with some great lines, some really cool shoulders. The rear is a fantastic idea, almost taking the front to the rear and playing around with that a little bit. If you look into the lines, they always, especially on the rear they make another genesis logo or this kind of you know v-shaped form about it it's it's just really really good fun and if i think about you know having this little car on on a track or something like that this would be so much fun you know the proportions look amazing um obviously this is it, it looks quite flat as well so you could have really loads of fun but you could also drive this and find actually a parking spot in a city such as new york in a city such as la and uh, you know you you would be fit for you know would be fitted well for everything. So I I do like that a lot. The only thing that I do have a little bit of a problem with, and obviously it is called mint. So of course the car's colors exterior is uh, is green, um, but I'm not so sure about that, and I'm also not so sure about the um, the interior colors. But that's just my personal kind of feeling um, because you know that kind of uh, light leather that they have in the car. Uh, might be a bit too too old school for me in that regards, but the interior itself with the parametrics and very simplicity, you know, a front bench pretty much, uh, that's pretty, pretty cool. Just not sure about the colors for the interior and the exterior, but that doesn't take away of the um, of the actual design of the car. Well, yeah, I mean, I agree with you. It is a bit old school uh, with the interior colorways in particular, but I think they needed to find the link to luxury somehow because, as you mentioned, it's a small car, not typically associated with conventional um luxury and certainly not american luxury um thinking so sure. um but i think they did a, a brilliant job because it's it's very clean again with the parametric design as you mentioned uh the bench seat is actually quite cool um because that is traditionally very american as well but you know the, the, there's cool elements like the butterfly doors you know but proportionally yeah i think it works it's um it's very avant-garde um uh, it's it's you know for a city car, which is what this is intended for. It's not a track car, but, um, you know, and my, my particular, my favorite, probably my favorite element is, um, just how they chose to treat the IP. And, uh, again, all the, 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 you know, the, um, controls in particular, like HMI, um, all centered around the vehicle in these little dials around the steering wheel rather. And mm -hmm. this little screen right there in the middle of, uh, the steering wheel with all of the information that you could ever want for um, your 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 um, infotainment system and you know various other bits that are in there. Um, 
Hyundai is actually, you know, as a group, doing some very interesting things behind the scenes with HMI that were not entirely, um, you know, are not public, um, but they're working quite adamantly uh, in terms of creating things that are um, at once more user friendly, but also uh, very intuitive, but also very, um, Mm. also very much, uh, you know, future oriented in terms of, uh, of uh, keeping within the driving sense of what it is within a vehicle, because obviously designing an HMI for a car is quite different to designing the latest sound system for your living room. So uh, it's, I think they're, they're onto something uh, with the technology and that's uh, what a lot of buyers are, are considering. So it's, it's good that they're, they're doing that. Um, And yeah, so the interior and specifically the, uh, the whole HMI unit uh, in, in the steering wheel um, all around their driver's area is uh, is quite appealing to me. Yeah, and like you know, it's it's simple. I mean, you know, we always talk about simplicity, and I think what Genesis have shown is that there is the complexity actually in the surfaces, and they show open structures. Yeah, so if you look actually behind the steering wheel, there is this little parametric and like you know an open structure, almost as you know it from the Bird's Nest uh, Stadium in Beijing, for example. Uh, where everything was turned inside out as well. Um, so they have the complexity in there, but where the simplicity is needed, which is in the controls, which is the clarity of you know how to use the vehicle, that's where they nail it down. And I think uh, that's a very, very nice balance uh, that they found over there. Um, and, you know, from, 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 from that kind of side, what I do find funny is actually the, let's call them rear doors. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know if this is actually the, the boot mm-hmm. or the trunk, as you say in America, uh, where you then put the stuff in, or if you can actually put your kids in there and stuff like that. Um, that unfortunately would have been great to see actually in or at the show. But, uh, you know, it's kind of, I don't know, like Lamborghini doors or butterfly doors, uh, more like Lamborghini doors uh, in the back as well. And that just looks really cool. So there's this one shot uh, from the rear, uh, you know, three-quarter angle, pretty much I think it is, where you can see those doors open and it looks like the whole thing is flying away. And it's so cool. So there's these little extras as well. And I think what I want to say, what because we've seen that in Shanghai a lot of times, what is extremely well made with those kind of uh, with that kind of car in particular is the wheels yeah so the wheels fit absolutely perfect they're not overdone you know they have the simple touch because it's a you know a, a five kind of axis wheel but they have this little extra in there which uh, you know which also is i think parametric from what it looks like but it's it just fits you know and it's not overdone it's not too much it just fits the whole picture of the car. And so if you see it, I think, you know, I've shown it to my mum and she was like, oh, that's a pretty car. And she was just like, you know, th- that's the kind of feeling that you get. And that's what, when I saw it for the first time, I was like, yeah, it is a pretty car, you know, but it has enough, enough depth from the, uh, from the design perspective to, uh, to be discovered. And it's not over the top, not from the front, not from the rear. It has enough substance to it, but it, it, it you know, it's not ridiculous. So, um, yeah, kudos to them, and uh, let's let's hope they're gonna blow us away, or like you know, they give us a really nice concept again in next year's uh, New York show. Yeah, the the better thing would be if uh, you know they moved forward with some of these uh, some of these concept cars into production guys, because um, we've seen it before, in particular on Infinity, where you know they've just kept putting out like really successful concepts, um, mm. things that are absolutely brilliant, um, and then it just uh, you know maybe it. it 
And that's the, the gist of concept cars anyway. You know, it would inform perhaps certain elements of the vehicles that are then on the road, but um, not in any kind of significant manner, certainly not in what we're seeing from the concept cars that are on show. Um, so little bits, you know, here and there, and that's all well and good. But it would be nicer to see some of these conceptual thoughts make it into a vehicle that can actually get out into the road and drive. So moving – Just right. to kind of just to kind of finish that yep. thought because you mentioned about the, uh, the concept cars potentially being put into production. So um, Manfred Fitzgerald, uh, the man behind Genesis or the CEO of Genesis, he, he mentioned that it looks very likely that the Essentia goes into production, but he didn't want to confirm. Um, I think there were not a number of outlets that asked him about it, and he was like, yes, we are in good talks about it, but at the same time, nothing is confirmed. So there is still hope for the Essentia to actually go into production. So touch wood uh, that this hopefully goes through. Yeah, yeah, that would be nice. <laughs> indeed, indeed. Yeah. So, and and I'm sure you know, I'm sure that Manfred and everyone else within the the design team, in particular, is uh, it would love for that to happen. Yeah, um, it's just a question of feasibility and all the rest. So, but nonetheless, uh, very good and interesting things um, going on outside of New York. So now, moving forward, now into more uh, recent developments. Um, that we've seen unveiled. Um, uh, the one that was unveiled today is this new McLaren GT. So today being the 15th of May, um, they, they've just pulled the wraps off the new McLaren GT, which is uh, basically going to slot in into another uh, series. Um, it's, uh, it's not the, um, you know, part of the GT or the Super Series. Mm. Uh, sorry, not part of the Super Series. Um, it's, uh, it's a GT car and, uh, yeah. What do you make on that? Hmm. I'm not so sure. Um, we've seen obviously the first kind of teaser sketch. So that was just like, okay, cool. This could be actually very good. Um, I, I don't like the pictures. Um, maybe, mm. and you know, I, I know I've said this before, like what I don't like about McLaren is they they, they have become very aggressive, um, but also, and this is what I can appreciate about them, is they've become very experimental. They're more like they're, they're always more developed as actual racing cars. Now, this one looks a little bit more like your average city car. Yeah, so uh, this could be like an Aston Martin. This could be more like a, uh, let's say, a little bit of a more normal Ferrari, put it that way. Um, and I'm not sure if this fits McLaren. You know, I don't understand. I don't know if that fits the brand uh, in terms of when I look into the car. Uh, there's not really much that it's unique uh, or that makes it unique as a McLaren. Uh, if you look at it from from the from the side view, there are clear, you know, old DBS, old Vanquish uh, hints to that car, especially in the front. Looks very, very much Aston Martin to me from the last generation, and you know. Uh, I, I just think maybe it was a little bit too rushed. I mean, McLaren said they want to, you know, bring out, what, like, what, 20 new cars or something like that uh, in the next seven years. Um, I don't know. Maybe that is just a little bit too much. So I don't understand. Obviously, they will probably do a convertible version with that at some point as well. But 
Um, no, not I, I. I would not see like you know it's not overly beautiful. Um, so I wouldn't buy it for that. For performance, why not buy like you know a seven twenty or like you know a a, a six fifty uh, for example? It's pretty much the same price. So this is about one hundred sixty thousand pounds, probably about two hundred thousand dollars. So you know. I, I don't understand, you know, for me personally, yeah, it fits into a new range, but this range is already quite well, you know, placed with other people that just are either more beautiful um, or, you know, are more powerful or, you know, more track car like. This is a little bit of a kind of finding something in between. And I think this is a bit of a miss for McLaren. Yeah, I mean... It's I'm I'm not overly enthusiastic about this, uh, but you know uh, perhaps I'm not the person that they're aiming for either. I probably don't fit the demographic of this car. But at the same time, um, I see what you're saying. It's it's not entirely what what I guess bothers me the most is I I, I find it hard to see any type of consistency within McLaren products, and that is I guess what's most troubling mm-hmm. for me. Um, but otherwise, you know, as they say, it's this is a, a new GT car. So it's not meant to look like anything in the sports or the super series. Um, the, the thing that comes to mind recently is kind of the McLaren speed tail. And I do see somewhat of a family resemblance there. Um, in my opinion, again, we're just judging here by the pictures, which is very difficult to do, but it's better executed um, proportionally than the, uh, than the, um, the the speed tail was in my view and having seen that car mm-hmm. in geneva i was actually quite surprised um because like you mentioned as well uh, i don't know what the deal is with mclaren and with their images because um you know i don't know if it's digital renderings that we're seeing i don't know if it's actual physical photographs uh of the physical car but um yeah i'm not like I, I, I agree with you. The, the photographs don't do this thing justice. Like when I saw the speed tail on display on the show stand in person, obviously it communicated something well different than what those uh, early pictures uh, did when we saw it online. So perhaps that's the same with this one. Um, but, you know, one thing that I do like is the simplicity within the interior. Um, you know, it's got loads of buttons. This isn't entirely like, you know, a digital uh, car by any means. Um, there aren't as many as say in, you know, the Panamera, but, um, there's, there's still loads of, mm. of, of, tactile, uh, controls within that, certainly on the, uh, the center console, um, and the center stack as well. Um, but you know, they still have this big screen, mm. which is portrait style. Uh, it's a GT car, you know, this is a cruiser, but, um, I do like, you know, what it is that they've done from an overall simplicity of you know surfaces and things within the interior because it's it's mm-hmm. modern it's uh it's very nice it's very well executed um i'm not sure you know what it's like from a quality perspective because again i'm looking at po- photographs um but the you know the buttons and all of the rest i mean you know piano black is still very much alive alive and well <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and uh you know but i think you know if we look at it from like a rear three-quarter you can kind of see, you know, a, a family resemblance somewhat to the speed tail, but not to really to any other products in the lineup, mm. um, you know, and, and so that's that's the one thing. The only thing that I would say to this is, um, you know, this I, th- I think there's two major criticisms for me. I mean, exterior is always one thing. Um, you know, you can like that. You cannot like that. Um, McLaren, get some wheel designers. 
you know, I, if you look back into the speed tail, if we look back into the, if we look into, um, into the GT now, the wheels are just horrendous. Uh, you know, you could do so many cool things with that. They're almost like stock. It's almost like you go into the normal supermarket and you buy a bunch of rims. Um, <laughs> sorry, but those are absolutely, you know, like, for, for, if I spend two hundred thousand dollars on a car, I'm expecting cool wheels, you know. And this is just like, oh shit, we need to do some wheels. Um, let's do something quickly and let's make them as quickly as possible so that we can prototype them and you know put them onto the car. Um, put some more work in there, you know. Like the people like that kind of stuff. Um, so uh, that's 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 one point. The other thing for me about you just mentioned the interior, which is you know you mentioned it's simple and everything. There hasn't really been a major revamp of the McLaren interior since they started with the um, with the 12C. Mm. Yeah, um, and this is my biggest criticism for McLaren. It's just you're doing a GT car, so this kind of interior works for a Senna. It works for you know a 720s, which are ultra performance cars or high performance cars where you need very very little. Uh, you know, middle console, you just need the main facts because you're going usually so fast that you, you know, you, you can't just look where you're going. Uh, you, you don't look at the map. You don't look at your radio. You know, you just, you know, focus on the track or you go very, very fast. Now, with this, if we're talking about, you know, Gran Turismo cars, cruiser cars, you know, this is just not good enough anymore. You know, it's like, oh, we, you know, we bring something in, we have, we have, uh, you know, carryover parts that we can use to kind of make it cheaper to produce. Um, but, you know, this isn't, this is, this is still the kind of car, if you want to attract uh, maybe more women with that, you know, because if you call it a GT, you know, women that maybe drive, you know, a Ferrari or something like that, or maybe they drive an Aston Martin, or like, you know, maybe they drive, I don't know, like a BMW or something like that. Um, this doesn't really attract me in that sense, you know. Some, you know, in some parts it looks quite cheap with like, you know, the um, um, with um, uh, you know, with with this kind of click wheel and stuff like that. I think they could do much better, and you can also you can hope, you know, that the next generation will come soon, um, because it it is a little bit outdated by now. It might work, yeah. So like, you know, it works probably in terms of functionality and everything, but in terms of you know comparison to other companies nowadays, um, this is a little bit outdated. Yeah, I, I see your point, and I, I would agree. Uh, I still think it's nice. Um, you know, if they could modernize it perhaps a bit, but it's not. Um, you know, it is outdated by you know the grand scheme of things but uh it's still perfectly functional and and well done i think um for a driver's car i mean it's a gt but it's still a driver's car right i mean no one is going to take like you know uh cross-country trips in this i mean maybe they will <laughs> i don't, I don't yeah. know. But, uh, <laughs> no, it's, it's an yeah. interesting it's an interesting take no um but i do agree with your yep. point on the wheels cool. because everyone knows the wheels the shoes of the car is what makes and or breaks a design. Ultimately, I think it's such a visual element, such an eye-catching piece that um, you know it can change the complete allure of a vehicle when you look at it from the profile, um, and it can make it more aggressive or less aggressive. And in this case, uh, yeah, they are quite dainty and not particularly fitting for what I believe uh, this model is. Uh, or is trying to be. So, yeah. Mm. All right, good. Well, now, moving on cool. to the All right. next vehicle. And we're working our way up, I think, a little bit here. All right. We'll work our way back. <laughs> um, so, the the, la the second to last most recent vehicle 
is the Citroen 1919 concept and a car that is, um, I don't even know if it's real. I mean, it, it could be that these are just renderings that have been shown. Um, I think it's, I think. No, it's actually it. real. It's, it is actually real. It does look like, you know, people are actually interacting with it unless their, um, their V-Rag guys are like crazy good. Um, you know, I, I, it does look like they <laughs> built it. I don't know. Um, they're supposed to show it later on this. So tomorrow, basically, they're supposed to do a formal unveiling of this car. Um, but I think it's, I think it's really cool. Obviously, this is Citroen's 100th anniversary, so they saw it fit to come out with a concept that would indicate the future direction of you know where they're going in terms of what's happening within the industry right now, what the main trends are, what the main talking points are, and they've created. Um, something that is really quite uh, very futuristic, of course, but also um, quite compelling. Um, and, you know, I, I mean, I posted a picture of this thing on uh, Instagram and, um, you know, there was a comment uh, saying, would we be giving this thing a second look if it was a student project? And um, I think I think we would, um, yeah. you know, but, you know, it's maybe not so much. But at the same time, it's not a student project. This is a major OEM. Uh, a French OEM as well, which is known for doing some really quite, um, uh, 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 you know, out there concepts or, and production cars as well, if we look back in Citroën's history. Um, and, you know, I think that they've touched on a lot of very uh, trending topics at the moment, right? Um, and, you know, the lounge seat in the passenger side, for example, is, is one such element. Um, the way that you're using this vehicle, the glazed surfacing, um, the fact that, you know, you have this little HMI I, I, assistant popping out of the IP. I think all of those things are very relevant to what it is that we're going to see in motor vehicles in the future, um, you know, be it autonomous or, um, you know, that's that's what this car is. Essentially, it's, you know, an, a, an autonomous vehicle that mm. you can also drive. But it's um, it, it's kind of the antithesis not the emphasis, a complement, I would say, to um, that other uh, concept car that we saw in, um, in in Geneva, which was unveiled. Um, and that was not by Pierre Leclerc. This was done before by, by Alexandre Marval and apparently had been kicking around the studio for a number of, of years, actually, before it was shown. Um, and, uh, of course, I, I'm talking about that little uh, orange thing that I'm bl- – the Ami, thank you, the little Ami the concept, Ami. which is very much a Ami. urban vehicle, you know, no questions asked, right? That was a very much an urban vehicle, whereas this is more, um, you know, uh, not a grand tour because it's a family car. It has four seats. It has, you know, the uh, the capability of, of, of going out of the city as well, given that there are sufficient charge points in 100 years. <laughs> but um it, it does have uh, a very compelling design, a very compelling aesthetic, and it's it's interesting in the way that they're using technology as well. And, you know, we were talking about um, wheels yeah. and things. I mean, if you look at this, uh, it's got 30-inch wheels. Um, I think they're like 900 millimeters. The tires are quite narrow, um, but they're really tall. And the wheel design itself is like really, really cool because it's um, very much like um, the uh, the Citroen DS uh, within that steering wheel where it had a fixed hub. Mm. This is also a fixed hub wheel on the exterior of the car, 
where everything just kind of goes around this um, uh, this very uh, graphical pattern and the Citroen logo at the center. So one of the highlights, certainly, um, of the year yeah. so far, I would say, from a concept uh, car perspective, um, you know, because the Ami um, kind of kicked it off and then this brings it a, a, a step further uh, into, you know, a very futuristic look of what vehicles could potentially look like in, what, 50 years or so, right? I don't know, mate. Like, you know, for me, <laughs> look, this is, this, is, this is pretty much, if you, if you give a student a team of very experienced car designers and just like, look, we do a proper, like, what, you know, full-scale, um, you know, hard model out of this, this is what it would look like. Yeah. Mm. Uh, for me, the most, like, the coolest thing is the logo. You know, mm. the logo, you know, emphasis this kind of, this is what, you know, it's a tradition for me. This is really about, you still know what it is. You see it. It's like, oh, it's a Citroen, but there's something extremely new about this. And this is what I really like. The car itself, I mean, come on, guys. You know, th this is really like, you know, you go to a show in, you know, you go to Pforzheim or something like that. You see a bunch of kids who can do that. Obviously, like the details and stuff like that. This is where the time really goes in. You know, if you see this kind of little... Uh, you know, the, the strings in the back of the interior, for example, that's really cool. Um, obviously, the color and trim is really, really nice on this one. It makes a lot of sense. You know, the kind of middle console on the rear seat is super nice. The lounge seat, of course. But this is where the professional company comes in. From a conceptual perspective, I would say any high-level student would be able to do something similar. Yeah, especially from the ex exterior perspective. So, from the comment that you got on 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 Instagram, I would probably be one of those guys. <laughs> I would say like, yeah, I would not push for that. Um, and in particular, and this is, I think, my point. If I compare this to the Ami, the Ami was ten times better. The Ami had really a purpose. Yeah, the Ami was like you know to show you, hey, look, this is what it could go to. The Ami was smart. You know, it was using three doors that were that all had the same size in different varieties. You know, even the door hinges were exactly the same. So the doors opened, you know, mm -hmm. counterwise in that sense. Um, this one is a, uh, you know, a, a student, pro a student project on, um, on steroids, not more, mm -hmm. not less. It's cool. Like, you know, we, we, because we always like, you know, really cool student projects, uh, would I say this changes anything about, you know, Citroen or something like that? Um, no, I would probably say I'm gonna, you know, I'm, I've probably forgotten about this in a week's time. Um, mm. Whereas with the Ami, I'm sorry, like you know, this is really what stuck to my mind because when we saw it, it was just like, wow, this is really, really cool. This is just a nice little project. Will it have any kind of reference to anything in the future? If I look into it, mm, not really. I hope for the logo because I do really, really enjoy the logo. Um, but the rest, nah, sorry, uh, not, not, not my style at all. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah, I mean, I, again, I do like the exterior. I like how futuristic it is. Um, and this also is referencing this kind of design language that they showed on the ME concept in particular, the front and the rear lamps. Um, I, I like the protruding wheels from the main kind of volume of the body. Um, I think that's really cool. But again, yeah, you're right. The interior is the highlight for me, for sure. Um, just because of the fact of what it is, you know, it's a, a family car at the end of the day. 
um, according to the videos that we've seen, how people interact with it, how they experience the world from within it. Um, and without a doubt, the color and materials, um, the CMF designers need a big round of applause because what they used in terms of not only colorways, but materials, um, graphical patterns within the uh, the seats and all over the, the car, mm-hmm. the colorways are absolutely fantastic. Um, and really, really super cool. But again, something that you would expect from a French manufacturer like Citroën, because I think they've always pushed the envelope um, from, you know, in terms of their production cars as well. Um, so this concept kind of showcasing the future of uh, Citroën's design language is is just bang on. And um, mm. I really, really like it. What I do want to say, though, is... I do a little bit have the feeling that the interior was completely done separately from the exterior mm. because it seems a little bit like, you know, the, the interior concept. So, it, you know, when you look at it on the pictures, uh, and again, we haven't seen this car in, 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 in the flesh, but if you look into the pictures, it gives you this little violet touch, but that comes because of the, um, uh, the pattern of the actual material, which is a mix of like a red uh, and a blue. Um, and then you have that, which gives you this kind of violet touch and the white seats, which is pretty cool. And then you're looking from the outside and you see everything is black and uh, uh, black and, and blue. It's like, you could have done that a little bit better. Like, you know, it seems to me, that's my personal taste. Um, there was very, very, you know, a lot of things that were out of touch a little bit. You know, it's almost like, oh, you know, here interior team plus column trim do this, exterior team plus column trim to that. And once we finished it, we put it all together. Um that's probably, you know, that's just my personal feeling. Um some other cars were much, much better with that and with that kind of, you know, cohesive uh workaround but you know in the end it's a concept car you know we can think whatever we want this whole thing will never make it to production thank god but um in the you know in the end uh if the logo comes through this whole thing was a success already because i do really really like that logo and if that goes on to an electric car maybe that is a kind of differentiator for them in the future that this will be their electric logo i have no idea but this would be really really nice i really, I really also like the the front seat i mean the design of that is pretty cool i mean you mm. know you've got this uh carbon kind of frame i don't know what the material is exactly but um, the way that the base of that is designed, it's almost like a flower. Um, it's yeah. super cool looking. And again, um, I don't know what comfort levels are like, but, you know, I would imagine that they kind of emphasize that seeing as that's a Citroen brand value. Uh, but that seat in itself is um, is enough to kind of make me want to go and sit and drive that thing around. <laughs> so, um, yeah. But, uh, okay, so moving on now into the latest of the new or the – the, the the oldest of the new, which is the uh, VW ID3, which is uh, ah yes the Germans yes, it's the Germans, the Germans. Uh, a very near kind of uh, well the closest to production that we're able to see of the uh, newest VW ID, um, so an all electric car from um, from Volkswagen that they're really you know pushing um, into quite. Uh, quite quickly now, um, you know, because uh, of, you know, what's happening within the industry, um, they really need to, uh, to move into this uh, electric uh, thing sooner rather than later. Um, and, you know, for different markets as well. Um, but just uh, getting out of diesel gate, I mean, there's a variety of different reasons why um, this needs to happen soon. But 
um, you know, obviously the car is a prototype still. Um, it's, you know, the, what they're showing is something that is very, uh, I read an article, so this is, this isn't entirely unique, but it, you can look this up online. Um, I can't remember where it was written, but anyway, um, if you look at the ID three and you look at the Seat L born, yes, I'm doing that at the car. moment, actually, it's the same. <laughs> they changed the element. It's like, the roof line is the same. The A-pillar treatment is the same. Yeah. Even the damn bone line across the body side is the same. It's the same car. They changed certain elements within the front. They changed, um, you know, uh, a, a few minor stylistic elements. But, I mean, you know, we talked about this before, you know, in terms of like um, uh, Volkswagen and in terms of Volkswagen Group products kind of losing their own individual identity um, this is kind of, you know, just case in point right here. This is the, um, the right here, uh, perfect example of that. Um, and it's, it's, you know, mm -hmm. it's a shame that they wouldn't want to differentiate considering the platform it's based on. I mean, um, anyway, your thoughts. Well, well, let, let, let's say one thing. Um, the Seat actually, is quite a nice car. We've seen that in Geneva, um, and you know, it, for for a little hatchback, it is actually quite nice. So th there's nothing really bad to say. Like you know, it looks very very similar to the to the Seat. If it would absolutely uh, look horrible, then it's a different story. Um, for me, Volkswagen, of course, this is pretty much the Golf in electric. Yeah, uh, nothing more, nothing less. Uh, even if they. If they might call it, you know, differently or whatever you think about it, but uh, it it is the Golf just as an electric car. Now, I'm excited to see that thing. Um, I think this is the, the, there's more kind of the the surrounding information that makes this a little bit more interesting. This is supposed to be the first car that's under thirty thousand euros uh, as an electric car. Uh, that we can find, so it's kind of the uh, the Volks Volkswagen, which is like you know the, 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 the for everybody, the electric vehicle for everyone. And uh, I'm very excited to see if Volkswagen can actually pull this off in terms of keeping the quality as well, you know, uh, keeping sure to everything that they can deliver. In terms of a design, we should be honest with ourselves. It is a Volkswagen, and they will not blow us away with any new design innovations or, you know, I don't know, like, you know, they, they will not reinvent the, the wheel. It's Volkswagen. They will stay conservative. Uh, we, we should not really accept or expect crazy things from them. Uh, from just the pictures that they've shown, it looks good. Again, please do not do, you know, I hope they're not going to keep those wheels um, because they are absolutely horrible once again. But you know, it's it's actually, it's a nice thing. And, you know, I have not really a problem with it. For Volkswagen, absolutely fine by me. And it's just going to be interesting to see, you know, if we can, you know, if it's just a color, you know, pretty much what we what we have at the moment, or if there will be anything different um, on under that kind of little wrap around it. But, you know, in general, I like it. It's nothing really bad. It gives, you know, it, it, it makes Volkswagen a bit fresher, but it doesn't really reinvent the, the wheel. And, uh, you know, if that is going to be the Golf 8 or whatever it is uh, that's going to come next, well, then that's okay. Yeah, the only thing that I do worry a little about is the rear because uh, 
these lights, they look a little bit like a BMW <laughs> 1 Series in terms of a style, I have the feeling. So um, I'm not so sure about those, but, you know, let's see. They might be pre-production and they might not be showing the final ones. But um, that's the only thing that I really have to criticize. Apart from that, uh, solid, but nothing that, you know, it's not that kind of car that, you know, will come to your mind right away. It's more just like, you know, you have it here in Munich all the time. You see a Golf, it's like, oh, you know, it's a Golf. But you kind of recognize it, but you don't think about it. And that's going to be exactly the same right. just as an electric car. No, I mean, um, you know, I, I agree with, pretty much everything you said. Um, I don't have anything to add. Um, it's for me a bit lukewarm on the reception. I love the fact that they're doing it. If the interior does look like the, uh, the, the Elborn cons or, uh, this, the Elborn, then, you know, yes, great. Um, you know, it's, it's not a bad interior. It's not necessarily, you know, screaming German, nor is it screaming Spanish. So, um, that's fine. It's not like, you know, shaking things up either. Um, but you know, it's, it's a good first step. Um, you know, but I do wish that they'd done something a bit more adventurous, shall we say, uh, in light of the fact that this is an electric platform and I do know the freedoms that this enables. And so I wish that there was a bit more, um, you know, perhaps risk taking, but again, it's Volkswagen group and they can't step out on that ledge too far. Um, they do want to appeal to the mass market and this most certainly will. Yeah, indeed. And uh, uh, yeah, so, you know, it's we, we've actually had a lot of cars, to be honest. I, I didn't think it was that many, but, yeah. you know, talking about them, actually, we, we got, uh, we got uh, up to quite a few. So um, let's actually, like, you know, sum up a little bit what else happened uh, in the last few weeks. And not really much, only one major announcement, and we can combine that with a little bit of advertising for a future podcast episode as well. So, uh, you know, we, we spoke about Enders Warming, you know, a few few weeks ago in the podcast, and he is back in the industry. He did start his own design consultancy. And, uh, you know, if things go well, and uh, yes, people, you know, uh, do, do, you know, do throw me uh, under the bus. I, I am still in touch with Frank Stephenson, and we're, we're still hoping to do that, uh, that podcast with him. But uh, yeah, we will always we will also try to arrange a podcast with Anders, talk a little bit about his new venture, talk a little bit about you know his experience at BMW and at Borgward. So um, that should be good fun. Hopefully, we can do that in the next few weeks. And uh, uh, apart from that, I think nothing really else has has happened majorly um, that uh, uh, at least that we are allowed to talk about in uh, in, in 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 public. And uh, that's why, you know, I think, to be honest, we're almost an hour in already. <laughs> uh, unless, un unless you have any more to say, Eric, uh, you know, the 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 kind of biweekly Martin and Eric criticize and like design <laughs> or car design uh, is, is is pretty much uh, over, isn't it? Like, you know, is there anything that comes to your mind? Um, no, I mean, you know, the Anders situation is quite interesting. Um, you know, it's the dream of many designers. Uh, I had an opportunity to chat with him when I was in Munich last week. And um, it, it's, you know, every designer dreams of going off on their own and starting their own consultancy. This has been a dream of Anders's for a while. Um, and I wish him the best of luck. And, uh, you know, he's not alone in this, in the, uh, in this market. Um, he realizes that there's, um, you know, uh, certain challenges that he's going to have to overcome. But at the same time, there's other people that have done it that he's well familiar with. Um, you know, his, uh, mentor, Chris Bangle is, uh, you know, case in point there. 
Um, and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, he has a very open mind and a very positive outlook. And again, I wish him the very best. And yeah, um, some other things, you know, of course, you and I know best. <laughs> we work in a very secretive and very sensitive environment. Um, the car design industry is, um, you know, there are things that unfortunately, you know, we, we become aware of and we cannot discuss um, sooner, uh, you know, hopefully sooner rather than later, we will be able to um, discuss some of the other uh, developments. Um, but again, uh, nothing now that I can mention. So um, uh, mm-hmm. moving on. Um, yeah. What are your, uh, your, your, your next thoughts? We can talk about something for a few more minutes. We still have some left, don't we? We can, we can, uh, we can annoy them. Okay, <laughs> a few minutes. Okay. A few, a few minutes. So we had, we had, because, we had uh, this idea, yeah. um, right. and, uh, you know, we want to implement kind of the listeners a little bit to that as well. So, um, I would love feedback on this. Yes, one. because we might actually bring this up for a much bigger feature, but this is something that we, we absolutely love because we asked us the questions like, you know, where is the inspiration for a lot of car designers coming from? So, you know, we were thinking about, uh, culture. So you were thinking about, you know, could be, could be books, could be movies, could be video games, could be, uh, I don't know, even music and stuff like that. So, you know, we wanted to talk about a little bit about the idea of, um, the importance of car design to films in particular, both ways. Yeah. So films implementing car design, like, you know, cars that were specifically made for movies, but also, uh, where, car design or vehicle design fundamentally changed certain movies uh, in that sense. Mm. And so where, where we're interested is obviously to find out a little bit from you, what do you think about those things? What did inspire you from, from a, from a, from a film perspective? Because, you know, we came up with things and Eric, you know, the first thing you mentioned pretty much right away was Sid Mead um, mm-hmm. with, you know, Blade Runner and like, you know, his sketches. There was an exhibition, I think, uh, recently that, uh, Fabio Fili, uh, uh, Fabio Filippini posted about on Facebook, uh, about Sid Mead in Tokyo. So, you know, he's this kind of cultural phenomenon. So what, how, how do you see Sid Mead? Do you see him as like this concept artist that has brought the vehicle design into movies or do you see him as a vehicle designer that understood that he has to change something for movies or, you know, how do you see him as an inspiration in both directions? Uh, well, basically, I mean, Sid Mead's been an inspiration for everybody. I think, um, you know, within the design community, certainly, um, even, you know, f- uh, from his career going back as far as when he was an actual designer before he crossed over into entertainment design. And I think there is that crossover, um, you know, obviously, he's certainly influenced people like Daniel Simon, which we'll get into later on into uh, in, in this uh, in the style. But um, I think, you know, looking at cars, Sid Mead's vehicles, I mean, this was a flight of fancy, right? This was a guy with a, an incredible amount of creativity coming up with some really future looking concept. Obviously, he calls himself a futurist. That's what he is. But then, you know, mm. he... He caught the, the the eye of certain directors that were like, "Hey, you know, like, let's do something over here because you can create things." So, Blade Runner, of course, um, you know, Tron. Uh, I mean, all of these vehicles, all of these films, rather that he created video or, or, or concept vehicles for, that were you know really out there, um, and uh, it was just really a, an amazing feat. Like as a kid, looking at that and being like, and the thing is. I want to say something over here because I think that I stand alone in that I work in the automotive design industry, in the car design industry, and I'm passionate about automotive design, car design, uh, but I don't give a toss 
about science fiction films. I really don't like sci-fi. I like things that are real. So Star Wars, Star Trek, sorry, sue me. I hate that. I don't, I don't, <laughs> I don't watch that. Like I don't. But the only reason that I did go and see things like Blade Runner, things like Tron, um, you know, is because of the cars and because of the vehicles and because it was such an unbelievable futuristic gaze into, you know, what the future could potentially hold. And it was like, um, you know, in the, the level of work as well within that, it must be said, um, even when you look at like old films, you know, where there was nowhere near the level of, uh, of technology capable of, you know, uh, creating what it was that he'd formulated in his head and put down on paper. Um, that was like just mm. incredible to see. And um, so, yeah, um, Sid Mead, obviously a huge influence in, um, you know, uh, for designers, in my opinion, people that I've spoken with anyway, certainly I think held, hold him in a very high esteem, Art Center grad, you know, I mean, the guy went down the car design road, much like Daniel Simon, and then realized that they were better suited for entertainment design, or perhaps and just enjoyed it more, you know, like Daniel Simon, I mean, you know, when he went out and he did his, uh, his uh, started off his career working VW, like he was in Santa Monica, he was working in Sitches, I think. Um, and, and he was like, um, yeah. he was like, I really don't, um, you know, like the fact that, you know, the, 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 what is traditional in this business, obviously some guys, you know, they'll work on a production or a concept car rather, maybe a production car even. And, uh, you know, one year into a, a boatload of work that they poured their heart and soul into, um, it gets canceled. Right. So it's like one year was worth of work, just flushing it down the toilet. And I think that can get frustrating for designers after a certain amount of time, which is one reason why Daniel Simon decided to jump. And, you know, and so he's, you know, I mean, I had a great interview with him many years ago now. Um, and, you know, I met him out on a beach in Venice and, um, and it was awesome. <laughs> and he was very much living, the, you know, the California life because at that point, you know, he'd, he'd done his kind of, um, you know, recused himself from the car design went and just kind of, set up on a beach in brazil and started sketching at which point um, scott robertson caught wind of what he was doing and said hey let's do a book and that was really what capitulated what you know moved his career into stardom essentially um uh, you know afterwards he started creating books like cosmic motors and etc cetera, etc cetera. i mean the guy's story is phenomenal um, you can read it in certain in many different mm. places. You can even watch a, a video that I have on my YouTube channel where I did a two part interview with him uh, after um, the the article that I wrote. Um, but it was it, it's like uh, I think movies in general. You know, when you look at the vehicles that are positioned within movies, it's as much product placement as anything. But it can definitely inspire and designers. I think like anyone, musicians get inspired from certain or any artist gets inspired by various different uh, occurrences within their lives uh you know what they see what they experience all sorts of social parameters that are um you know they feed off of right and that is um that is really just truly incredible and really the the creative space in which we're in so um but if you look at say i don't know um you know, cars like the DeLorean, for example, that like was a completely like very futuristic thing that really um, did loads for the company. Unfortunately, it was too far gone at that point. But um, when you look at certain things like, you know, the James Bond films, I mean, all of these vehicles 
you know, perhaps at one point it was just, you know, pure product placement, like in the beginning, for example, you know, can we get an Aston Martin? And I'm sure it was quite difficult to get Aston to say, yeah, you know, let's do this. Um, and then in the end, how many Bond films have they now appeared in, right? It's the iconic Bond car. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't know how that effectively has influenced people's decisions to want to get into design. Um, unless you take, for example, the mm. most recent one, which you mentioned in our earlier conversation, which was the DB10, which was specifically designed to be a bond car from the outlet, from the outset. Um, so yeah, it's a, it's an interesting topic. I mean, I really want to see and hear from our viewers, our listeners, um, and, and gauge, you know, what was kind of the tipping point because every single one of us, for the most part, has always been passionate about cars before we could even probably walk or, you know, barely walk and we were playing with matchbox cars or something, right? Um, there was always that car bug. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And also, and, and, and also, like, you know, finding out a little bit about, you know, what kind of generation did you grow up with? I mean, you know, you have, uh, you know, you have Sid Mead and Sid Mead obviously rose to a lot of fame when it comes to Blade Runner, which was in the 80s, then you had, you know, uh, like a DB5 uh, of a James Bond movie, which was, was in the in the 60s. Um, you know, we're talking about a Tron or like we're talking about, probably we're talking about a generation of the 2000s, mm-hmm. which was definitely Fast and Furious driven, you know, with these tuning cars. We're talking about the 2010s, which restarted and reignited right. uh tron which was a daniel simon project of course with like you know the uh the bicycle and everything and uh you know it depending on uh, what kind of at what kind of time you grew up there there is something iconic and maybe you know in 15 years time or something like that we have kids that will tell us or like you know people that will tell us that they were first uh right. you know <laughs> inspired by cars the movie the disney movie you know uh you, we we just don't know and this is something that we what, what we found so interesting because it's not just about the general kind of um the general direction that everything goes to like you know what car design is or where the inspiration comes from but also what kind of um, you know, heritage this has and what kind of maybe complication that brings in the future. I mean, look into Aston Martin. I mean, you know, obviously, Eric, you know this, you know, I have a 2005 Vantage. I'm a massive James Bond fan. I love the old uh, DB5. I love the DB10. Just saw it again this weekend. And for me, it's like, you know, it's also a problem of the heritage. It's like if you think it's always the James Bond car, you know, how far can you take it um, from 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 that side? It's the same with the DeLorean. The DeLorean will always be in uh, you know in the in, in your mind when it comes to back to the future and if you want to do a new delorean car then you know what what are you going to do i mean is it is it going to be connected to that old iconic back in the future car or is it going to be something you know completely different and you don't even want to have that kind of connection so the heritage um obviously is is very much predestined if a car in a movie and specifically designed for a movie um you know, has uh, has something to say for a brand. And this is where the product placement, of course, becomes in a little bit uh, on, the, on the tricky side uh, from my personal perspective. Um, you know, but, you know, it's the same with the Supra. I mean, you know, in my generation, you know, I just turned 30 last year. When I think about the Supra, I'm thinking about this orange Supra that was in the Fast and the Furious. I remember you told me once you, th- you, f- you think that thing is absolutely hideous in terms of the graphics and everything. But, you know, for me, it's just like this is the Supra that I think of. It's the same for the Skyline uh, that was in Fast and the Furious because that was the time when I grew up. So 
uh, you know, when I think about a GTR, then I'm thinking about that skyline in particular. So it's always the kind of question that comes in. What do you think of the inspiration in that? And is this something that you want to keep on going? Or do you think, you know, you know, we can leave that behind and just do something differently? And, and this is where where I, I, I certainly believe it's so interesting to hear from the listeners a little bit and just like, hey, what do you think about this? You know, what do you think about the inspiration and where do you draw the line between a Sid Mead and a Daniel Simon kind of guys, super conceptual, and then, you know, the Aston guys that do a car, which is pretty much a vantage, but just looking nicer um, for a James Bond movie. I mean, you know, there's there's so much in the middle, but these are the two uh, the two extremes that we have ultra um, ultra uh, conceptual, or then you know actually doing a production car for a movie. So you know, let us know what you think about this, and uh, we would be really really interested to hear where your uh, inspiration is coming from, and and maybe even what movie you know it might be Magnum as well, Magnum PI with the Ferrari or something like that. I have no idea. You know, um, whatever you like. I think what's also interesting is, you know, to see the trajectory of some designers where they've actually contributed to movie cars as well. So it's not just, you know, what kind of cars in movies inspired you, but also, you know, in the flip side, it's like a lot of these guys that are designers working in studios, they have these crazy visions of creating something that they could never do within the automaker that they're working for. One like comes to mind is, um, uh, the late uh, Chris Fenson, who was responsible for the Ford GT, he worked mm-hmm. on the Pink Panther car. I mean, this is like, you know, he worked on some crazy stuff uh, for movies. Like he did some movie vehicles himself. And this was like really like quite cool things, um, you know, where it, it, it's that creative outlet that you can never um, kind of have within of an automaker like Ford, for example. Mm. So, um, you know, he, he did some really cool stuff and, and, you know, other designers as well have contributed to that, um, you know, have been a part of it. Um, you know, if we look at some other, uh, designers like, uh, and I'm, I'm blanking on the guy's names, but like Mad Max and things like that. I mean, all of these, yeah. like, you know, guys that were in the industry, in the auto industry went and contributed to, these types of, of, of products um, and yeah. uh, in movie cars rather. So it was like, yeah. it was really cool. So um, yeah, I mean, an interesting topic and uh, certainly very, um, I, I'm, I'm certainly very interested in finding out what's uh, inspired certain people um, from a, a movie space. Yeah, exactly. So uh, let us know about this because we are very interested. We might actually go into a bit more detail in a future episode, but in the meantime, to wrap things up, Please do us a favor. If you listen to us on iTunes, on Spotify or whatever, uh, do give us a good rating. A five-star rating would be preferred because then we're going up the ranks and more people can listen to us. That would be fantastic. Um, also, uh, if you haven't done that yet, listen to our review of the Shanghai show because that was actually good fun. Uh, the video version will be online very soon as well on youtube and last but not least we have released a new special episode which is with um, takumi yamamoto who some of you might know from the citroen gt concept that was actually featured in gran turismo uh, i think it was six when that first came out and uh, we had a lovely conversation with him because he did the david bowie tribute car and uh you know had a really really nice chat with him he gave us a lot of in you know 
insights on what went through his mind and how long this car was actually in the making. And uh, yeah, apart from that, um, Eric, anything you would like to say before we head out? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just had a, a brain fart there and I apologize because um, I remember the car was pink, but it wasn't for the Pink Panther. It was actually a, a Fab One. It was for the Thunderbirds film. So I wanted to correct myself on there before I sound like a complete idiot. But um You just sound yeah. old, man. You just sound old. Our young listeners were just like, what is that? What, what, well, what are you talking up, about? Look it up and check it out. <laughs> but, um, yeah, no. So as far as everything else goes, uh, no, I do not have anything to add. But I do want to thank everyone that has and continues to listen to us, uh, go on about certain things and share our opinions and our insights. And uh, hopefully you will find this valuable and others that we've done. And um, yeah, look forward to... Uh, getting on the next one and um, hearing your feedback on this one and some of the other podcasts that we've done before as well. And um, yeah, until then, hope you guys keep well, stay creative and um, yeah. Hear you soon. Speak All to right, you soon. Take care guys. Take, take bye -bye. care guys. Bye.